The Zone Sports Network is taking you to the movies. This is the Movie Zone on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. Ninety-seven five twelve eighty. The Zone, The Zone Sports Network. You are tuned into the Movie Zone. I am Johnny Lightfoot, and joining me today, I am totally honored to have Mr. Larry Tassoni, film buyer extraordinaire for the Megaplex Theaters. Uh, how you doing there, Larry? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, happy to be on the show. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Um, I'm kind of excited. I'm, I'm. They left me in control. So who knows what kind of stuff we're going to go off on here and. Uh, we're just going to kind of roll with it and have fun. You good with me on that? I am. I am. Uh, I listen to you guys all the time. You guys have a great, uh, great time on the show. So I'm glad to be part of it. Uh, try and fill, fill Austin's shoes to a degree. Uh, I know that's not possible, but I'll do my best. Well, Austin, uh, Austin is the man and he's probably the hardest working guy here at the zone. He's, he's always doing something. So, uh, it's kind of fun without him, but I'm definitely, uh, looking forward. So I don't have to run all the controls next time, you know? Yeah, I, I'm glad I don't have to deal with any of your your buttons and knobs and you know, everything. I wouldn't know. I'd get lost. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a busy movie zone this week. We've got a nice kind of '90s theme to the whole thing. We're going to talk about a nice movie showdown of a couple Sylvester Stallone movies. We're going to discuss how many movies was it? Megaplex was it? Uh, Twelve new movies this week. 12 new releases wow. theaters this week. It almost broke me to make room for all those films. Well, that's awesome. And then, of course, there's some classic throwbacks coming back that I'm excited about. Actually, all three of them. And then, of course, we're going to get into a band spotlight. We're going to do some your poll questions, actor spotlight. And then we're going to talk about one of my favorite movies that didn't do so well in the theaters. But... Let's jump right into the movie down, uh, movie zone showdown of the week, Larry. I uh, I put up two Sylvester Stallone '90s classics. I put Demolition Man against Judge Dredd. You familiar with these? I am. I am. Uh, right in my wheelhouse from my uh, from my youth. Uh, both great films. I mean, Demolition Man. Uh, sports fans will know that it's the the film that inspired the Dennis Rodman blonde hair when he uh, was with the, with the San Antonio Spurs. And yeah, uh, um, I mean, that film is just so quotable. I think I learned the theme song to the uh, uh, or not the theme song, the, the commercial for Armor Hot Dogs solely because uh, of that film. Nice. Uh, you know, how they how they listen to the old ads as, as new music and uh, swearing so that he can make himself some toilet paper and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just, you know, good cast, funny premise, uh, lots of cool action, uh, you know, just classic nineties, nineties film. Well, and out of the two, they actually remade judge dread. Uh, boy, I think it was in the two thousands or maybe even in the, the, the teens of the two thousands, but, uh, didn't do so well, but in our poll, we have demolition man with 77% of the vote leaving judge dread with 23%. So quite, quite a huge uh, distance there between those two movies. And I, I kind of have to agree as much as I think judge dredge is uh, judge dread is fun. And I like watching and enjoy it. Demolition man seems to just be the, the front runner in my, my book for sure. Yeah. When I saw the poll, I, I, I agree with the, with the listeners. That's where I voted. Uh, it was, it wasn't that judge dread was a bad movie. 
uh, for, you know, for that genre and that time period. But I definitely immediately jumped to Demolition Man as, as that was my film. You know, Sandra Bullock's a baby in that film. You got Rob Snyder, yep. uh, you know, uh, fr uh, from Saturday Night Live. In a non-comedic role, really. You know, that's kind of the interesting part. Right, right. You know, so it, it had it had everything that just kind of summed up the 90s and an action film. Uh, just a fun, fun time. So Demolition Man is our winner of the uh, showdown of the week. But, Larry, we need to jump into this next part. There are so many new movies at the Megaplex that we could probably spend the entire hour just talking about the new movies alone. So we're going to kind of cut it down. But let's get started with uh, some of them. Now, you have seen most of these already? I have, yes. Great. So I'm going to kind of leave it to you then a little bit on this. But uh, let's start with, with one of the... Uh, one of the ones that looks extremely, extremely interesting to me, and I'm going to tell you why. Uh, I like this type of movie, and I like Nicolas Cage. I think he's fun, and this movie is called Willy's Wonderland. Why don't you tell us All a right. little bit about Willy's Wonderland? So this is one of those films that, and well, this is a film that answers the question. If you ever wondered what would happen if you walked into a Chuck E. Cheese and all the animatronics <laughs> became demonically possessed, and tried to kill everyone inside. Yes. It's going to answer that question for you. Uh, Nicholas Cage, he is uh, traveling through some town in the middle of nowhere, and he uh, his car breaks down. He doesn't have the money to pay for it, so he takes a deal to go into this old uh, children's pizza food place called Willie's Wonderland mm -hmm. with Willie the Weasel as the main character, <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese type of role and he's told we're going to lock you in here overnight and you'll pay off your debt and we just want you to clean the place up uh and uh, lo and behold the the uh the animatronic characters are possessed and need uh <laughs> the town traps passers-by or drifters and sacrifices them so that they won't come out and attack the town and Nicholas Cage ends up having to fend off all of these creatures throughout the night. Uh, it is, it is ridiculously hilarious. Yes. I, I knew that was going to come in. You just switch off your brain and have some fun at the, you know, the over the top antics that take place in this movie. Now this is a rated R horror slash thriller film, obviously starring Nicolas Cage. You know, Larry, it reminds me a little bit of from dusk till dawn. You remember that movie? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good comparison. I, I, I can see that. It has that, that kind of, and also a little bit of a uh, five night. Was it five nights of Freddy? Is that what it's called? The, the little, uh, the little they're little animals that kind of look like they kill people as well. Maybe I have that completely wrong, I, but that's what it reminds I don't, me of. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one. I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump into another uh, movie coming here at the Megaplex this week called Breaking News in Yuba County. This this movie um, it it is rated R. Uh, it's but it's uh, it's a comedy. It's a dark comedy. It's got a huge cast. Oh, does it ever? Lula it's got Kunis, uh, Julia Lewis, Allison Janney, Aquafina, Jimmy Simpson from Westworld. Um, Wanda Sykes is in it. Ellen mm -hmm. Barkin, Matthew Modine. It's just a huge ensemble cast. The The premise of the movie is uh, based around Allison Janney's character. She's a wife who's kind of neglected and catches her husband cheating. 
uh, and um, in the course of events, he disappears and she decides to gain attention for herself by going to the media and saying her husband's been abducted uh, and then just all of these crazy antics ends up uh, revolving around her and you are left wondering, is she gonna get away with it? What's gonna happen? There's just, it's just all these crazy things. She gets mixed up with mobsters and, uh, <laughs> and drug dealers and her half sister is a news reporter that wants the story for herself, but her station's not big enough. And right. it's just, it's just one thing after another that just keeps piling up and you wonder how is she going to get out of this? It's, it's, it was really an entertaining, funny film. Now w- watching the trailer of this, as you just mentioned, funny, that's what I got from it with a hint of crazy. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, things take some dark turns here or there, hence the dark comedy aspect of it. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of these things that you'd only see in a movie. Uh, uh, it's, uh, but yeah, uh, very entertaining. I like this idea. I think I, like I said, watching the trailer, I really enjoyed it. I was engaged. It pulled me right in. It's funny with a hint of crazy and just wildness going on. I think this is one that most people are going to really like, and uh, you should definitely be checking it out at the Megaplex Theater. Now, moving along, I want to talk about a rated R drama called The World to Come. Can you tell us a little about that? Uh, yeah, this one's kind of a, a, a romance drama. Um, it's set back in the, the mid-19th century, um, kind of settlers on the East Coast frontier, um, and it's two couples with, with, um, that live kind of close to each other. Uh, but they're going through these hardships because they're, you know, out kind of in the middle of nowhere and, and how they, how they cope with that. Um, so it's a, it's kind of an art artsy piece mm-hmm. uh, period drama. Uh, but the Utah movie, uh, film goers usually appreciate those kind of films. And so, um, it, should be should do kind of well for our group or our audience here in Utah. Now, I really do love the the period pieces, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's set in 1856, so 19th century. And this is starring, uh, let's see, Catherine Watterson, uh, Vanessa Kirby, and Casey Affleck. Now, uh, Austin and I had a little discussion a little bit ago about who is the better actor. Would you go with his big brother, or would you go with Casey Affleck? I would, I, I think I remember you guys talking about this. I think I would agree with you and go with Casey Affleck. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that Ben to a degree gets a bad rap. I, I mean, I think I moaned when he got cast as Batman, the same as everybody else <laughs> Yeah, he has his moments, you know, he's not, uh, uh, he's not, I think as bad as sometimes um, he gets credit for, but Overall, I mean, when you look at Casey in the Ocean's Eleven film as the the Mormon twins from Utah, there's definitely a connection connection here. You know, mm-hmm. but those uh, a real versatile, comedic and dramatic um, sides to his performances, and uh, uh, and so yeah, I would go Casey Affleck on that one. Yeah, it's funny how Casey is kind of obviously Ben is probably the quote unquote bigger actor. You know, he's. Obviously, like you said, he was in Batman. He's been in Pearl Harbor. He's been in just major blockbuster movies, and not all of them did great, but a lot of them. But yet, Casey seems to be the more talented of the two. And it's it's really interesting to me because I remember Casey having a small part in the original American Pie. You know, he was the older brother that uh, he would call oh, for right. advice, you know, just small That's roles. Right. And, I, and I think he was also in, uh, oh, what was the movie with Ben Affleck uh, and Goodwill Hunting? Good, he, yeah, he was in that as well. 
Yeah, just these small roles, and then he's just burst onto the scene as this kind of impressive actor. Oh, for sure. He It's almost like he was riding the coattails of his big brother, and you wondered, is he just getting parts in these movies because he has, you know, it's his brother that was a writer for Goodwill Hunting or or whatever the case may be. And over time, he really proved himself as a very talented actor. So uh, he he kind of broke the the stereotype that was around him with that. Absolutely. And I hope he keeps getting some some more bigger roles and, and really bursts on the scene as a major actor like his brother has. Now, moving on to kind of an awkward love story, teenage love story, I should say. I'm talking about the movie Young Hearts, which is not rated, and it's a drama romance. What can you tell us about uh, Harper? Uh, you know, this is really one of those teenager high school uh, romance dramas, a uh, little bit of comedy sprinkled in. Um, you know, it's uh, it's based around uh, um, a girl that is a freshman in high school. Uh, she lives across the street from a boy that's a sophomore and is best friends with her brother. And they end up uh, starting a relationship. Um, and there's some awkwardness between her and her brother and the best friend and the brother, because, uh, he doesn't like that he's dating his sister. And then the high school typical antics start happening with rumors spreading and, uh, and things like that. And so it tests their relationship. Uh, you know, are they going to stay together, be friends? And, um, you know, it's a, it's one of these type coming of age types of films, uh, really perfect for, kind of a younger high school aged audience. Now, now we've had a lot of these type of films throughout the years, and I'm going to go back to the seventies. There's, there's been Porky's, there's been like revenge of the nerds. There's been breakfast club. There's been uh, even re- most recently like American pie, but this isn't that type of movie. It's a little more on the serious side, an aw- awkward serious side, I should say more than the comedic side. Is that true? That is true. It, de- it definitely deals more with the current, um, issues that a lot of high school students deal with now with the, the cyber bullying um, through text messages and Facebook and social media, you know, and all those things. And it, it does lean more towards the actual um, experiences that the kids are going through these days. And so I think that's why it really will connect with those audiences, but, it, you know, uh, could be good for parents as well that maybe aren't as aware of what their kids may be going through in the, you know, in the 21st century. That's that's interesting. It's a definitely different take on the the teenage coming of age movie, and I I, I think I really like this. I'm definitely going to see this one. And th- would you say this is more a movie for the kids or the adults? I, I you know overall I'd say it's more for for the kids. The demographic is definitely going to be in that high school age range. Okay. Well, now there's another movie on this list, and uh, this was the top of the list that you sent us, and uh, I've seen a lot of promo about this, so I'm excited. This is called Judas and the Black Messiah. This is a rated R biography drama history. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, this is a great film. Um, It stars Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfeld. Uh, Both were in Get Out. Um, Daniel Kaluuya in the starring role and Lakeith uh, Stanfeld in in one of the supporting roles. Um, It's based on the true story of Fred Hampton, who was the chairman of the Illinois uh, Black Panther Party Mm -hmm. um, back in, uh, I'd say late 60s, early 70s, somewhere in there. Uh, And it's his story uh, and it deals with him trying to uh, use his party 
to deal with uh, social justice issues. Uh, it's, it's a very timely story because, you know, 50 years later, we're still dealing with similar, similar things. Um, it also deals with how the FBI uh, recruited um, the Lakeith Stanfield role as an informant to infiltrate the Black, Par uh, the Black Panther Party. And uh, as he goes into, um, uh, William O'Neill is the, is the real uh, person. And as he starts to infiltrate uh, the party so that he can report back to the FBI, he starts moving up the ranks. Um, he becomes sympathetic to their cause, becomes friends with them. It's put in these, these really tough situations of trying to keep himself out of jail by working as an informant for the FBI, uh, but yet not 100% betraying all of the people that he's befriended. Um, and uh, it's, it's, it is, it's just a really powerful film, mm. um, deals with some very timely issues by looking back at, at our history with them. It looks like it can be a very powerful film, especially in today's world. Uh, I'm excited to see, like I said, I've seen a lot of promo for this film, and it looks just really, really good. Now, moving on to a movie that uh, I know my... My co-host doesn't always like he's not one for the kind of thriller scary type of movies, but the fear of rain or just fear of rain, which is a rated PG 13 thriller. Tell us yeah, about this one. Uh, yeah, this movie um, has a good cast in it. Uh, the, the lead role is Madison Eisman, who is from the Jumanji films. She plays the, the, um, the blonde, high school teenager character that ends up in Jack Black's body. Uh, yes. so, uh, she plays this person who it, it's a little bit of the sixth sense, um, ish to it where she can, uh, you know, uh, hear voices and they, she gets uh, diagnosed as schizophrenic. Oh, wow. Um, and throughout the course of the movie, she starts to realize she's not actually schizophrenic. Um, but she may be, you know, hearing people, uh, you know, whether or not they're, you know, I see dead people or, or anything like that. I don't want to give too much away about the movie, but um, it starts to become this battle between her and her parents that are played by Katherine Heigl and Harry Connick Jr. over her sanity and her safety. And next door, uh, she, she hears voices and sees people in the windows that look like they need help. And she starts to deal with... Um, trying to help those people even at her own, at her own risk. Uh, and, and so um, you're not sure if there's actually something sinister going in, going on in the house next door. Uh, and uh, it, you know, kind of goes from there. So see that, that sounds like my type of movie. Just, it, it just sounds so intriguing to me. And, and uh, I mean, obviously it's a serious condition that a lot of people deal with, but I, I, I'm trying to think how to put this. It just, it seems interesting to watch this movie and just see how it develops. See if it really is something, as you mentioned, that she is seeing, or maybe it's something she's not seeing. We just kind of have to see this movie and, and find out. That is called The Fear of Rain, but there are so many other movies we got to talk about. But I want to kind of get here to some of the returning classics this week. And I got to tell you, all three of these movies... I'm excited about. And what we'll be returning this week is The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers in IMAX. These films, uh, last week, we reopened um, at, we were able to get at three lo three of our IMAX locations, The Fellowship of the Ring. And uh, Utah uh, ranked nationally. We had the top three 
highest grossing locations in the nation of all the IMAX locations, about a hundred IMAX screens reopened uh, the first Lord of the Rings film. Uh, and we were the top three grossing films. We were selling out shows left and right. You know, the Lord of the Rings films have a great following here. Oh yeah. We, we, we follow it up by bringing in the two towers um, to the same three IMAX locations, which are our location down in Utah County um, uh, at Geneva, mm-hmm. a legacy crossing uh, in Centerville and then the Valley fair uh, location. It's a great way to, uh, to kill three hours in the fantasy world. Uh, my son has been <laughs> watching all of them and he absolutely loves them. We got to get to break here, Larry, but also really quick returning a wonderful movie called hidden figures and then perfect in time for Valentine's day. 50 first dates which Austin and I talked about not too long ago one of my favorite uh, Adam Sandler movies I absolutely love it but Larry let's take a short break here we got to pay some bills and uh, we'll be right back on the movie zone you're locked on to the movie zone on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This is The Movie Zone. Johnny Lightfoot, Larry Tassoni standing in for Austin Horton. What do you think of this music, Larry? Are you uh, a 90s uh, Gin Blossoms fan? Oh, this reminds me of driving in my old 90s, ni- uh, 92 Corolla uh, when yeah. I in Orlando down down the freeway in my youth. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember I was, I was in the music scene playing the the clubs here around Salt Lake and all the surrounding areas when the Gin Blossoms came out and man they were a breath of fresh air I know I know a lot of people they were a college favorite band and uh, it was just nice because I mean the grunge scene was going strong and then all of a sudden the Gin Blossoms came out I mean there were some other bands as well but the Gin Blossoms seemed to really kind of hit the uh, the stride for me and yes today's lesson in music history is about the Gin Blossoms and Larry if I can just go into this really quickly the Gin Blossoms thank you the Gin Blossoms are an American rock band formed in 1987 in Tempe, Arizona, which of course rose to uh, their fame in 1992 with the release of their first major record, which was a new miserable experience. And the first single, which we were just talking about, Hey Jealousy, became a top 25 hit and went gold. Of course, they uh, they had more charting songs later on on their uh, band's follow-up album, which was Congratulations, I'm Sorry, in 1996. As Long As It's Matter, As Long As It Matters was nominated for a Grammy Award. Sadly, though, Gin Blossoms broke up in 1997. However, they reunited, as all bands do, just a few years later in 2001. They released a second, I mean, sorry, a different record called Major Lodge Victory in 2006. And... In 2018, they released another one called Mixed Reality. Now, the Gin Blossoms have been described as an alternative rock band and as a jangle pop band, which I never heard that term before. I'm not too sure what that's that means. That's an interesting one. Yeah, I wonder what that means. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's a new one to me. But according to Rolling Stone, the band excels at marrying world-weary lyrics with awesome melodies. Now, some people are probably going to oh, go ahead. I was going to ask, you're the music expert, but, you know, that description um, kind of reminds me of like a modern version of Mumford and Son. I don't know if that's just way off base. You know, their music is with their lyrics and their melodies. Uh, 
uh, I don't know, uh, just kind of when you described that, I all of a sudden thought Mumford and Son. But anyway, no, I, I think uh, I think you're right. Of course, Mumford and Sons came a lot later, but it's still kind of that same genre, isn't it? Just very catchy, yeah. you know, cool stuff going on. But here's something I find really funny. Do you know what gin blossoms mean? I, you know, I don't. So it's actually named from, I'm going to, I'm going to blow this name. I'm horrible with names here. I always mess <laughs> them up, but I think it's Rosa, Rosacea. It's a zit. It's like a zit like <laughs> bump that you get from drinking too much. Oh, wow. <laughs> Isn't <Okay>. that awesome? <laughs> it's always interesting to learn the, uh, the origins of some of these band names that, you know, sound sound so neat when you hear them and then you you realize what they're really referring to and it kind of <laughs> scares you a little bit <laughs> yeah there, there's a few bands from that time frame that have some very interesting uh titles and oh, I'm, I'm i'm just gonna leave it there i'm pretty sure people know who i'm talking about but the the gin blossoms follow-up album as i mentioned earlier congratulations i'm sorry ended up going platinum uh, with a single as long as it matters was nominated for a grammy award for best pop or duo group but it didn't win Sadly, it didn't win. But uh, needless to say, the Gin Blossoms is one of my favorite bands, as, as mentioning just their hooks, their melodies, everything about them are awesome. You know, I um, I know you mentioned that they were in a they had some top 20s. I'm, I'm surprised with some of these that they didn't hit number one. I'd, it'd be interesting to look up uh, in those years. What were the, the songs that were keeping them out of that number one spot? Because I remember Hey Jealousy and. Uh, some of their other music and they were just on the radio all the time you know but oh yeah well larry it's uh, it's our listeners time to shine i have uh, thrown out a poll question sticking with our 90s uh kind of action thriller thing we have going on so i said name a 90s action movie that you never get sick of watching and we got some responses from it and i gotta tell you there are some movies i forgot about but they are absolutely awesome and let's start with papa dave papa dave pretty much gave us every movie from the 90s he put uh, <laughs> There's a, good, a lot of good ones he put the fifth element the matrix Independence Day, Total Recall, Point Break, Volcano, and Dante's Peak. Wow, those are those are a lot of good movies. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that. I, I love. I definitely love the Fifth Element. That's one of my favorite movies by far. Um, I, I think I loaned it to Austin, and he just didn't get it. How does that oh, happen? Did, have I never told you my connection to the Fifth Element? No. What's what's that? My. I'll be quick with it. Um, I, I was living for a year and a half in Paris and the director of the film is French, Luc, uh, Luc Besson. And uh, that movie came out and I was dying to go to a movie and it was the only thing playing in English. I had no idea what it was about. <laughs> I just bought a ticket and went in so that I could see something in English because I was still learning French. And I walked into the movie theater and they had the actual taxi cab, the flying taxi cab oh, was... Cool. was display in the theater i had no idea what any of this stuff it was and i went into it and was just blown away and loved it and was in love with this movie i probably saw it like 10 times because it was the only thing playing in english for a while um but yeah that is just a great film i feel like that's the film that introduced me to the brilliance of gary oldman and oh. his he's his chameleon like performances um just yeah i was at that that's just an awesome movie. Well, continuing down with our listeners here, Roger Crook put in Speed, and then Teresa followed up with The Fifth Element, Air Force One, Independence Ooh. Day, First Contact, yes. and Goldeneye. 
Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Awesome movies. LT, uh, he put in Tombstone, which I'm your Huckleberry. Hello. Oh wow, that's man. You're right. So many of these movies that I forgot about. <laughs> I know there's so many here. And uh, our buddy Zach mentioned Total Recall. Uh, not, I'm assuming not the remake, but the original Arnold Schwarzenegger version of that. Yeah, I'll always remember the the really cheesy uh, special effects with, of Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> when he go. You know he. Uh, goes into the Mars environment and his eyes start to bug out and everything. He's kind of, he kind of goes claymation for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, That's my most vivid memory of that film. Now, if I'm not mistaken, weren't the cabs called Johnny cabs? I think that's that movie. Yeah. Yeah, I think they were Johnny cabs. Yeah. Love that movie. Like I said, I wasn't a big fan of the remake. Um, They did several years later. I think I watched it and I enjoyed it, but I really liked the Arnold Schwarzenegger version. Now our other buddy here, uh, Lynn Wolf or Lyle Wolf, excuse me. He mentioned a movie that uh, (laughs) I just see the title and I start laughing. Hot shots. Part. (laughs) Duh. Part. (laughs) Duh. Right. (laughs) That's yeah. (laughs) That Charlie Sheen. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, in a more comedic role. uh, Yeah. That was, that was classic nineties over some of these movies. I don't think you can make them nowadays. Uh, some of the content that existed, uh, in some of these films, but, um, yeah, I have fond memories. (laughs) I don't think that movie would have, uh, gone over in today's world at all. We don't really see, like you said, we don't really see movies like this and i i gotta go back and say if it wasn't for leslie nielsen and airplane i don't think we'd have the hot shot series now wasn't oh it no was, yeah for sure it yeah. was charlie sheen right yes it was charlie sheen yeah. in those yep yep and then uh, roger crook also put one more in there and i have to absolutely agree with him the matrix that you know was just such a um outstanding film from the technology standpoint. I mean, it, it just, the way that they, uh, they filmed it, uh, it, it was just new technology involved. Uh, um, that's what was so, ama- uh, part of what made that film so amazing. Absolutely. And just even still some of the, uh, the shots that they do where the camera pans around in a circle. I mean, now I know how they do it, but then that was so groundbreaking and you still see that shot, even in, uh, some of today's movies that, panoramic shot of yeah. an actor doing a, a stunt move or something. It's just, it's groundbreaking. And of course, I don't know if I, let me, ah, the matrix two and three, they're fun and they were good, but I don't think they held a candle to one. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 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 By far the first one is, is the best. Uh, I mean, when you have to issue people a, a dictionary uh, to define terms, uh, yeah. to number two and three you're probably going to lose your audience to a degree so however i will say that i'm very excited for part four uh coming later this year that's right he's got that dropping and if i'm not mistaken it's another john wick on the same day oh really on the same day i haven't i haven't looked that far ahead into the calendar into the schedule things are very fluid these days (laughs) sure sure i get that but yeah you know both sequels for both of those uh looking forward to now, Larry, normally we would dump, uh, jump right here into an actor profile, but um, I'm actually going to forgo it this week. We were going to talk about Renee Zellweger, but I think I'm going to save it for another another show. But I want to take just a quick maybe minute, minute and a half here and talk about the Megaplex theaters and exactly what you guys are doing there to make it safe for moviegoers. I've been going to movies this whole time during the pandemic, and uh, I know what's going on, but maybe you could help some of our listeners just kind of understand what precautions you are taking to make sure they are safe. 
Well, we appreciate, you know, all of our guests um, that, you know, we still continue to have these number one rankings uh, it, for films. It's on a much smaller scale. A lot of the country is not as lucky as Utah um, and hasn't been open. Uh, but, um, you know, since the beginning of the, the original shutdown, uh, our team jumped into action and started working with all the local health officials and government um, to make sure that Megaplex was leading the charge on safety safety protocols. Um, uh, we we instituted new new ways of reserve seating. Mm-hmm. Would block out a bubble around you when you select your seats uh, yep. before you go in. We even instituted a method of rotating. Uh, the rows that were available for people to sit in between uh, for every other show. Oh, so so not so like different different showings in the same theater. You you couldn't just sit on the same rows. It'd be like row C for one, and then that row would be blocked out for the next showing. Is that is that what exactly? You're talking? Okay. Yeah, you know, then the rows are all numbered odd or even, and they would rotate between the two. Um, but we ins- you know we've instituted uh, you know obviously we we always went in and cleaned between shows, but now. We have, you know, an army that goes in and, and disinfects and wipes everything down. So even if you did sit in the same seat that someone occupied in the show before, it's completely sanitized. Mm. And for the guests that just want to take it that extra step, um, we have we have uh, um, wipes uh, available for you to, to take into the theater with you so you can wipe down all the surfaces that you may come in contact with. Um, one of the things we were actually uh, planning to do over the course of maybe like a five-year period was, or, or 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 sooner was to go completely cashless and paperless in our theaters, um, just for more of a environmental friendly aspect. Oh wow! Okay. This really um, expedited that process. People got so used to um, not, you know, doing everything with credit. Uh, we've instituted that in our theaters um, uh, for, you know, just to eliminate one more place where, you know, there's touching or, or, or anything like that. So, uh, you know, our, our teams are 100 percent safety driven. Uh, you know, we 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 like to lead the way when it comes to everything movie related in Utah and outside um, and mm-hmm. our safety protocols during the pandemic are no exception. Well, I, like I said, I, I've continued to see movies. In fact, I went and saw one a few weeks ago and texted you to see if you were there. Uh, you weren't there at that time and that's okay, but I've been going and I feel 100% safe in the theater. I feel like it's a great environment. There's no concern. I see people wearing masks when they're not consuming food. They always put it right back on and, and people are being very respectful. The The theaters are, are getting a little more crowded, but there's still room in there, you know, so you're not sitting next to someone in the days of like when a blockbuster Star Wars would sell out and uh, every seat was taken. You still have room. People are coming back to the movies and I want to see more and more people return to see movies and i think the megaplex is the perfect place because of all of the like they said all the precautions that uh megaplex is taking it's safe return to the movies there's so many good movies movies out there and as you as you sent us the 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 paperwork earlier 12 brand new movies so if you are jonesing to go to a movie theater now is the time because the movies that are out there are pretty cool yeah, and you know the the public in general. Um, I think a lot of people that haven't come back to a, a film yet uh, may be worried about crowds. And, and one thing that I will just tack on um, to the end really quick is our auditoriums are already uh, reduced by fifty uh, percent of their capacity. And then when you select your seats, it starts to block out more seats around you, which 
really by the end of a show, you maybe could be sitting in an auditorium that has 30, 35% of what it could really hold. Mm-hmm. You're, at no point um, should our guests feel um, concerned that they're going to be, you know, just have, uh, have an auditorium packed full of people. A sellout for us now, as I referenced in the IMAX uh, ranking section, is nothing compared to what it was like if you went to see Endgame or something like that. Sure, so, sure. Uh, well, there, there you go. Please return to the theaters. They are they are safe. They're awesome. There's so many great movies there. Larry, we're going to take a break here really quick. We're going to have to pay some bills. And uh, when we return on the Movie Zone, we're going to talk about a throwback movie that I love, but it didn't do so well in the theaters. We're talking about Empire Records when the Movie Zone returns. You're locked on to the Movie Zone on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to segment three of the Movie Zone. Johnny Lightfoot here with film buyer extraordinaire Larry Tassoni from the Megaplex Theaters. And Larry, we are going to talk about a movie that I did not get to see in the theater, but... I absolutely love this movie. We're talking about Empire Records, and this was released in 1995. It's crazy. It's been that long since the film came out. I think I think I'm with you. I I probably didn't see this uh, in theaters as well. I I caught it after the fact on TV or on video. Yeah, it's one of those. I wonder why did I not see this in 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 theaters? It was. It's a great watch. A lot of really young actors that went on to some some pretty cool things. So. Oh, for sure. And it was released September 22nd, 1995, not April 8th, which is officially Rex Manning Day. Rex Manning Day. Yes, we'll get more into that Rex here. Manning. But let's, let's get a little unknown or maybe not so well-known facts about Empire Records. Has a runtime of one hour and 40 minutes. And it has such stars as Rory Cochran, Liv Tyler, Renee Zellweger, Ethan Embry, and Max Kohlfeld as Rex Manning right there, had a budget of $10 million. And yes, Larry, here is where it did not do so well. Worldwide gross on that $10 million, only $300,000. Oh, ouch. That's a, <laughs> ouch. That's a thing to miss. <laughs> a Rotten Tomatoes critics give it a 29%. Oh, but fans, but fans make up for it with a huge 84%. A little synopsis of this. Joe runs Empire Records, an independent Delaware store that employs a tight-knit group of music-savvy youths. Hearing that the shop may be sold to a big chain slacker employee Lucas bets a chunk of the store's money, hoping to get a big return. Of course, when this plan fails, Empire Records falls into serious trouble and the various other clerks, including the lovely Corey and gloomy Deb, must deal with the problem among many other issues. Now, as we mentioned, this film was a flop. Originally, Warner Brothers only wanted... Uh, sorry, originally Warner Brothers planned to release it in 1,250 theaters, but the studio wasn't happy and it only ended up screening in 87. Oh, wow. 87. You 87. Know, listener's perspective, if, if a film releases to about 1,200 uh, theaters, that's that's a small number to begin with. Uh, to be reduced down to 87, they must have had some uh, 
big apprehension about the film. Well, it says that the studio wasn't very happy with the film, so they didn't really do any promotions for it. There was definitely no ad campaigns and no big Hollywood premieres. And when it was screened in 87 theaters, the first week, it only made $180,000. That always hurts a film when a studio doesn't give it support. Uh, You know, a lot of people right now say, hey, is Megaplex, are Megaplex theaters open yet? And it's because movies aren't getting the same uh, advertisement as they used to. So if a, if a studio doesn't support a movie like Empire Records and get the word out, who's going to know what's out in the, in the theaters? That's right. Not, not very many. And this, this movie really got its life, as you mentioned, on uh, probably TV afterwards or VHS slash DVD releases. Now, a couple of the characters in here, uh, Deb, was the, I believe she was the kind of uh, gloomy character in this. Yeah, she shaves her head in the film. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, originally, <laughs> originally, that was supposed to be Angelina Jolie. Oh, I can see that. Yes. Yep. And it says, uh, it says, would, would Jolie, you know, this would have made a lot of sense for Jolie to play the shaved head dead, a Deb, a role that eventually went to Robin uh, Tooney. But the producer, Alan, thought Jolie was was being such a force of nature and considered her for the other female roles. She was just too much, which, of course, begs the question to me. Do you think Angelina uh, Jolie would have shaved her head? I feel like she has for other performances. Um, was she in Scanners early on? And, mm. and I can't remember. I might be remembering that wrong. I think knowing uh, the kind of actor she's been uh, and the dedication she's had to roles, and especially one that young, I'm guessing, yeah, she she shaves her head. I would I would think so too, especially since it was probably really early in her career. And, and that and and that producer too. Sometimes uh, you're you're overthinking things, you know, you're, you're trying to be uh, too smart. You know, you got a talent like uh, Angelina Jolie, you just cast her and let her be, you know, don't worry about her overwhelming the other, the other people in the cast. That's, that's so true. Now this is something interesting too. Toby Maguire was cast in the movie, but dropped out due to personal reasons. Uh, IMDB credits Maguire's role as Andre, but the scenes seem to be shot or were just, uh, the scenes that were shot seem to be cut or maybe they just weren't shot at all let's see uh moving on here it says ethan embry remembers it differently he says and i quote i don't remember him coming out to north carolina he told the rap i remember him seeing i remember seeing him at an audition and i remember smoking a cigarette with him while we were both having you know just hanging out waiting to go in i had totally forgotten that he was there until people started talking about it again so this could easily be one of those internet trolls you know saying oh yeah toby mcguire was in it but i haven't seen anything from toby you know saying that's not true well i will verify your report because uh i went back and rewatched the film and i was as i was watching the credits he's credited in the original cut of the film interesting i remember seeing him at all so i did the same thing you did i looked it up afterwards and saw that his scenes had been deleted or he was only in deleted scenes so he, uh, I think it's it's probably a safe bet that it was a true true story. It ve- it very well could be. Now, uh, Liv Tyler, obviously Steven Tyler's daughter, was in this movie, and this is probably one of her first few roles that she did. Maybe maybe even the first. There might be something earlier that I'm not familiar with. But Ethan Embry had a huge crush on her. Can you imagine? Well, I think all males in that <laughs> uh, teenage demographic in that time frame uh, probably did as well. Uh, I mean, I remember her from 
uh, as well, her father's uh, videos around the time Armageddon was coming out. Yeah, yep. Alicia Silverstone in a couple of videos. Uh, I'm sure uh, he wasn't the only one. <laughs> well, there, there you have some little known or uh, hardly known at all facts about one of my favorite films, Empire Records. It's that movie, Larry, that I can put on and just watch it at any time it's another movie that i can if it's on tv i'll just throw the remote over the shoulder sit on the couch and watch it to the end i love this movie if you have not seen this movie it's worth checking out just for the soundtrack alone which is amazing there the soundtrack is huge and not all the songs that are in the movie actually made it to the actual cd but check out empire records i think you will definitely enjoy it larry Thank you so much for sitting in with me today on the Movie Zone. It's been a real pleasure having you on and massive amounts of knowledge from you. It's very impressive. Well, I appreciate it. It's been a blast. Uh, thanks for thinking of me to try and hold down the fort for, for good old Austin. Absolutely. And, and you are welcome on the show anytime, Larry. We love all the information you give us about the, about the Megaplex movies coming out each week. And boy, there is a lot this week. So people, you have something to see at the movies. Anyways, Larry, thank you again so much for being a part of the Movie Zone. And everyone, we will catch you next week. This has been the Movie Zone.